0: Hello, and welcome to the Confluence Podcast. I'm Colin Fogarty, Executive Director of Confluence. We're a donor-supported nonprofit that connects people to place through art and education. Thank you for downloading this podcast. We're working on new audio tours. If you haven't heard the others, make sure to download those when you visit the Land Bridge at Fort Vancouver or the Confluence Bird Blind at the Sandy River Delta. Stay tuned for new tours on our other sites. But in the meantime, we thought we'd post audio from a recent event that featured confluence as part of a larger discussion about the deep sense of place that we have here in the Northwest. The event was organized by Ampersand, a journal by the land conservation group for Terra. Now, most magazines just exist on paper and online. But the editor of Ampersand, Florangela Davila, wanted to take these stories live.
1: Hello there, town hall. How's everybody doing? Welcome to the second ampersand get-together. My name is Luke Burbank. The
0: The stories featured out-of-the-box thinkers steeped in a desire to sustain this region. If you're interested in learning more about the entire event, check out the Forterra website and look for ampersand. In this podcast, we'll hear from just two speakers, myself and architect John Paul Jones. As you may know, he designed the Vancouver Land Bridge, Confluence's second site along the Columbia River. He'll speak about our relationship with nature and the spiritual world and how that shaped his approach to creating spaces as an architect. But first, take a listen to the story of Confluence. And just one note, if I sound a little nervous, it's because the hall was filled to capacity with about 800 people. I started by talking about my career as a public radio journalist.
1: I told stories on public radio. That was my job. And I told too many stories to count. But what I always found was that the stories that I was most drawn to The ones I could never forget were the ones you could not see. The stories about invisible things. The stories about things that surround us always but you cannot see. Stories about history. And at some point I realized history surrounds us always. If you listen to every story on the radio, it is always rooted in history. We just have to listen and see. And that's what drew me to Confluence. Confluence is a donor-supported nonprofit that connects people to place through art and education, and it's a series of six art spaces along the Columbia River system, and I'll tell you about each one. Five of them are by the celebrated artist Maya Lin, who shot to fame as the artist behind the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. Yes, you can applaud. (laughs) That's great. But don't forget, one of those projects was also uh, done by this man, John Paul Jones, who is not the bass player for Led Zeppelin, but he is an amazing architect. Thank you, John Paul, for being here. All of these sites, these confluence projects, are an attempt to reconnect people with the story of the peoples who lived here for thousands of years before Lewis and Clark happened through this this area. And it's about the the ecological and the cultural changes that happened in the 200 years since the expedition. In short, this is the story of the Northwest. And when you think about what it means to be from this region, what do you think of? The beauty, the recreation, the hiking, maybe it's windsurfing. No matter what it is for you, we share a love of this place. This is our home, and appreciating its grandeur and its beauty is one way we connect to this place. But what if I told you this windsurfer, having a hilariously good time, was windsurfing over the most sacred and culturally significant place in the Northwest, bar none, the most sacred and culturally significant place in the Northwest. And I'm talking about Celilo Falls. It was a place known as the Wall Street of the West because it was a center of commerce, a center of culture for thousands of years. Celilo Falls was six times, six times more powerful than Niagara Falls, the most productive fishing grounds in North America. And in 1957, it was flooded by the Dalles Dam. It's one of 32 dams along the Columbia River system. History surrounds us. Some of the electricity lighting this room likely comes from the Dalles Dam. So let's fast forward to 2001. Anton Minthorne fished Celilo Falls in 1956 when he was a young man. And in 2001, he was the tribal chair of the Umatilla Indian Reservation in northeast Oregon. And he had seen dramatic and economic and ecological uh, uh, progress made by Northwest tribes, and he helped lead it. And in 2001, there was a big debate going on about whether and how the native voice could be included in the discussion about all the undaunted courage demonstrated by those great explorers, Lewis and Clark. Hey, they met people. That's what Anton was thinking about. And what's more, those people are still here. And so he had a simple question. What is a legacy? What is their legacy, sure, but what is our legacy? And the result of that discussion that ensued was confluence. First, they enlisted Maya Lin, and what she was interested in was not only the cultural and historical changes that occurred in the 200 years since Lewis and Clark, but also the environmental changes. By the way, these pictures, these stunning photos are by Glenn Nelson, so let's hear it up for him. (laughs) Cape Disappointment on the Washington Coast at the mouth of the Columbia River is where Lewis and Clark reached the Pacific Ocean and where Chinook people lived and fished. Maya helped redesign the park and create a working fish cleaning table that is etched with the creation story, the Chinook creation story. So as you are processing your fish, you are reminded that people have been fishing and living there since time immemorial. Next is the Confluence Land Bridge at Fort Vancouver, at the confluence of the Cliquitat Trail and the Columbia River. This is the site designed by John Paul Jones. It reconnects the community with the river, a connection that had been broken by railroad tracks and a freeway. Moving east, the Confluence Bird Blind at the Sandy River Delta, not far from Portland, where Lewis and Clark could not sleep one night because they heard so many birds and where a 1,500-acre wilderness is being restored today. Inside the bird blind are the names of 134 species documented by Lewis and Clark and their environmental status today. Still moving east in Pasco, Washington, at the confluence of the Snake and the Columbia Rivers, Maya Lin designed seven story circles that reconnect people with the cultures and the flora and the fauna of a spot that's been a gathering place for thousands of years not just a state park it is a sacred place and we should always be reminded of that along the snake river near clarkston washington it's just across from lewiston get it clarkston lewiston so it's at the confluence or near the confluence of the clearwater and the snake river myelin designed a listening circle based on a Nez Perce blessing ceremony performed there in 2005. they created a spiritual landscape And she built that into the land itself. And finally, Celilo Park near the Dalles, Oregon. The final confluence project will be an elevated walkway inspired by those traditional fishing platforms that will take you to where Celilo Falls still exist. We know this from sonar. But they're underwater, silent, and invisible. And more importantly, it will take you to Celilo Falls in your heart. We hope to be done with this project in 2017. History surrounds us. It's up to us to listen and to see. Thank you very much.
0: That was me speaking at Town Hall in Seattle at an event on innovation in the Northwest by the land conservation group for Terra and its magazine, Ampersand. After I sat down, it was John Paul Jones's turn. His work is not only on display at the Confluence Land Bridge, but also at the Museum for the Native American in Washington, D.C. John Paul is Choctaw and Cherokee, and he talks about how what he learned growing up in Oklahoma shaped his approach to architecture and its relationship to place.
2: I want to talk about uh, something that is uh, dear to all of our hearts, and um, it's really strongly dear to uh, the indigenous people of this area. And um, it has to do with some things called indigenous gifts. And they influence you all the time here in Seattle and in the Pacific Northwest. And they, they center around ancient gifts that come from a lot of experience over thousands of years. And it comes from verbal gifts that are passed down from generation to generation. And it also comes from emerging gifts that are happening around us all the time here in Seattle. So I'm going to speak a little bit about that because that had a lot to do with the Confluence Project and Maya Lin. But first, I want to read this to you. Look look at this poem. Uh, Anybody know who Chief Dan George was? Yeah. Well, he's a Coast Salish Indian man, and he was in a little big man, and he was dressed up like a uh, plains Indian, but he was north of us from here. He's Coast Salish. And he was a very good poet, and he said, The beauty of the trees, the softness of the air, the fragrance of the grass speak to me. The summit of the mountains, the thunder of the sky, the rhythm of the sea speak to me. The faintness of the stars, the freshness of the morning, The dew drop on flowers speak to me, the strength of fire, the taste of salmon, and the trail of the sun, and this is to me most important, and the life that never goes away, they speak to me, and my heart soars. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. My heritage is Choctaw and Cherokee from Oklahoma. And my mother and grandmother said, anything you do, John Paul, make sure you pay close attention to the natural world, the animal world, the spirit world, and the human world. And in each one of those areas are a whole bunch of things that you can work with. And if you pay attention to those, just like that poem does, then life will never go away. Um, so I want to read a little bit of it and just show you some images. The beauty of trees speak to me. The softness of the air speak to me. The fragrance of grass speak to me. And they come from the natural world, seasons and cycles, cardinal directions and plants and day and night. Let's see if I can keep it moving here. Uh, More of that poem, the summit of the mountain, the thunder of the sky, the rhythm of the sea, speak to me. That's here. That's why we live here. (laughs) That's really important. And then there's the animal world. Other living things that live with us here. Even in the city, they live with us on Green Lake or on Puget Sound. And they share the land. And they have a lot of power and strength. And we live in an area where they're expressed strongly in dancing and singing and that sort of thing. And they're related to wild places. And the faintness of the stars, the freshness of the morning, and the dewdrop on flowers speak to me. And a lot of that has to do with the spirit world. I'm not talking about church talking about creation and renewal, seasonal things, the spirit of rocks and dirt and soil that make carrots, <laughs> and uh, about birth and wellness, and I call round places, and the strength of fire, the taste of salmon, the trail of the sun, we get to see that right here in Seattle every evening over the Olympic Mountains. And that has a lot to do with our human world. And what we, what I like to say, the most important thing is in that is transfer of knowledge. That transfer of knowledge is a gift that we pass down and that indigenous people have been passing down for generations and generations here in Puget Sound. So I'm going to show you a little bit of a, a, a something of the land bridge, which is one of the confluence projects. And um, it was at the first civilized place in the northwest, <laughs> Fort Vancouver. And um, the Hudson Bay Company was there. And why was the Hudson Bay Company there? Because it was a good place to trade. <laughs> it was... It was, a, it was, the Click-Attack Trail came over from eastern Washington, and it was a good trading place, and so Hudson Bay was a trading company, so they located there in that location. And then over many, many generations, Fort Vancouver lost its connection to the river by an intercontinental railroad and a highway. And so when Native people came to this place like they do for ceremonies now, um, they couldn't, get, they couldn't land their canoe on the beach and get to the fort. Uh, they had to go up into the city of Vancouver, about five or six miles, and come back around. So like that uh, trail, we were reconnecting Fort Vancouver and the land with the Columbia River, and that's what the, the bridge is all designed about, is designed about that reconnection. So I'll go along here. If you're ever flying into Portland Airport, look down on the Vancouver side, and if you see this curved bridge, that's the land bridge. There it is, looking sort of downriver. It's a very organic place, has a lot of stories that are being told about the land, the water in the area, and it goes between on the left side here, the inner. Continental Railroad and the highway on the right side and it was a place where trash was dumped and we were able to make it a place that connected land and there's various uh, words for land from the Chinook jargon that are expressed here and we were able to make it a connection with uh, the, the native culture in the area and I wanted to show you in the grand opening. There was a few people there (laughs) that day. And uh, it's a pretty special place that Maya and Lynn and I got to really have a fun thing doing. That's part of the Confluence Project. And uh, it has to do with a life that never goes away. And they speak to me Life never goes away. It's here. No matter what we do to it, it's here. And my heart soars. Thanks.
0: Architect John Paul Jones, who designed the Confluence Land Bridge at Fort Vancouver, Thanks to the Land Conservation Group, for Terra and its magazine, Ampersand. And thanks, of course, to editor Florangela Davila. And thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about Confluence and our six sites along the Columbia River system, check out our website, confluenceproject.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Remember, Confluence is a donor-supported nonprofit. We can only build these sites and do this work because of the generous support from the friends of Confluence. And that's you. Confluence belongs to us all. Join us today. Thanks.